much like The Undertaker on more than 20 occasions, we're back to continue our report on the firmware update here on Slam University for part two of our Undertaker retrospective. I'm, I'm one of your hosts, Malcolm Spinetti, and joining me, the COO of Slam U Entertainment, <laughs> Joe Garcia. Yeah, and uh, as Malcolm said, this is part two, uh, so if you found this and you're listening to this first, you should probably stop and go listen to part one first. <laughs> uh, that would be much more helpful for you, the listener, so you know, you'll find that episode on the exact same feed and uh, that you found uh, this episode on, on the same page on slamuni.com, so go, go give that a listen first, then come back, we'll wait. Yeah, we ain't why, why are you starting on episode two? This ain't Star Wars, man, you don't start before <laughs> here. <laughs> Uh, yes, as we uh, just, so let's just jump right into it here. Uh, continuing on as as Taker last time uh, last time was taken out at Survivor Series 2003 by his brother Barry. Kane. What's that? Buried, buried alive. Not the first time though. Uh, <laughs> but leading up to WrestleMania 10, Kane was starting to get haunted by promos. The scariest kind of ghost. The the scariest kind of ghost, Joe. Promo ghost. No. <laughs> Proclaiming the Undertaker would return. First, the first starting at Royal Rumble 2004, when a bell toll distracted him and allowed Booker T to eliminate him. <laughs> <laughs> this set up the ma- This helped set up the match as Taker wanted the voices gone or the promos gone. Taker would return at WrestleMania 20. The, once again, as the dead man, with the man he's tried to kill on most, multiple occasions, Paul Bearer in tow, which, who, by the way, had lost a ton of weight, so very nice on him. <laughs> At WrestleMania 20, and I'm, I'm not even joking, Taker destroys Kane. To call this match is very generous, as it's pretty much an, oh my god, Undertaker's back, Oh. That's the big moment out of that, and he pretty much kills Kane. <laughs> much different from the first time they had that match. Well, I mean, that's not just the notable return. Also, it's not just the return of him in general. It's the return of the, the previous Undertaker persona. Indeed, the the dead man gimmick, as I said. So, yeah, it's... So, Biker Taker's gone. No American badass. But... The druids are out in full force. Indeed, he's got the leather. He's got a leather coat now with the leather Stetson hat, longer hair now. So yeah, he's back to form. And and it, Bearer and Taker are back, but this pairing wouldn't last long, as at Great American Bash 2004, which I believe it are in July, Taker was in a handicap matchup with the Dudleys. Joe, <laughs> you may remember this one. <laughs> This was an infamous match uh, constructed by Paul Heyman as Bearer was trapped inside a, a glass chamber with a cement truck holding up a vat of wet cement right over it. And the uh, step was if Taker lost, then uh, Bearer, Bearer would get covered in cement and die. So Taker had the matchup with the Dudleys. And he he overcame the odds, and even though I argue it kind of makes the Dudleys look crappy, he ended up winning the match, and then went to the chamber, and you expect he's going to let him go. But instead, he grabs the lever for the cement mix, and he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Paul, it has to be this way, (laughs) rest in peace. Pulls the lever, 
covering bearer in cement, thus attempting murder on live national TV, throw him in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, by the way. Yet again. Yeah, tr- go back that once again, part one. We talk about all the times that Taker tries to murder someone on national TV. <laughs> Shockingly, though, still a face. This was not a heel turn, Joe, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, something about WWE in the modern era lets the faces act like total dickheads and let them remain faces. Yes. Like that's that's entirely what John Cena does, has been doing for the past, like, eight years. Oh, yeah. he He's pretty much that uh, popular kid in high school that just does whatever the crowd wants just so he can remain popular. <laughs> that's his character. And... Here we have Taker, basically tries to kill Bearer just because he's, you know, a weakness on him. He's someone that people can target, so he wanted to get rid of it by killing him. You know, instead of just letting him out of the chamber and then firing him. <laughs> Same effect. He would have went home and he wouldn't have been target anymore. <laughs> oh, God, Vince. Anyway. After this, he would begin a program with JBL, who has yet to try and murder someone, but is a heel regardless. Uh began a program with him by challenging him for the belt at Survivor Series 2004. He lost when he got himself disqualified by hitting with the belt. This would go on to No Mercy 2003, but where uh, Taker would lose the match after Heidendrake pulled a giant Gonzalez and chloroformed the Taker. Boy. And helping him lose a hearse match where the the winner is stuffed into a hearse. Or the Basically. loser is stuffed into a <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, an ambulance match, but was a hearse instead. At least there's actual rules in this one, as opposed to an Armageddon match with, <laughs> <laughs> or rest in peace match. Or <laughs> it's, it's like it's just the donate you. <laughs> so this started a program with uh, Taker going over. Briefly turned his attention back at back to uh, JBL again, and. Uh, as he took on JBL along with Booker T and Eddie Guerrero in a fatal four-way at Armageddon 2004. He lost again thanks to Heidendrake. He ended things, though, with Heidendrake at Royal Rumble 2005 when he beat him in a casket match, which is pretty much the be-all, end-all there. Then we cut to WrestleMania time as it's WrestleMania 21. Uh, a young blue chipper by the name of Randall Orton was uh, going around with his famous legend killer gimmick, where he would challenge guys and beat them up for being, le- being legends in the business, such as Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik, and so forth. Now, bit of a little bit of trivia here. Orton was the very first guy to point out that uh, Taker had yet to lose a WrestleMania. As uh, Taker, as he said, he would be the guy to finally end his streak. You know, Orton is actually responsible for quite a few things in WWE. Like, the whole pointing to the WrestleMania sign, he started that. <laughs> now, how many matches are we in to the streak at this point, when he finally points it out? Uh, we're at 12-0. and 0. All right. So, it took him 12 WrestleManias <laughs> to realize, you know, we have yet to have him job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Disregard that 12 and 0, as then Taker would beat Randall at. And by the way, I know it's Randy, guys. Calm down. Don't write into the show. <laughs> <laughs> as Randy would job, and Taker would go to 13 and 0. He would then go on a brief hiatus as he, another one of his kids was getting bored, and he returned to SmackDown. Or 
for some reason it's down here as Orson, but Orton started interfering in matches, <laughs> causing Taker to lose key matches as he wanted a rematch. After Orton cost him a number one contender's match against JBL, Taker signed a rematch with Orton for for SummerSlam 2005. And I'm realizing a mistake here. For both Survivor Series and SummerSlam, I use the initials SS, and it's causing me to get disoriented here. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Need to find a better way. Orton over after a disguised Bob Orton distracts him. They had another matchup at No Mercy, which once again, No Mercy 2005, which once again, Orton wins. The duo then stuck. As this was a casket match, I should point out, the duo would then lock Taker in the casket and light it on fire. After the fire was extinguished, they opened it, and guess what happened, Joe? (laughs) Do tell. Taker was gone. Oh. This never works, Keel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is not the last time Taker gets shoved in a casket, gets someone lights it on fire, and he's not there. It never works. It's like punching Hogan when he starts hulking up. Why do you keep doing it? Uh, apparently, the, the I say that, but apparently it kind of works because Taker is off TV for a number of weeks after it, <laughs> like clockwork. But, well, he's off TV until Survivor Series 2005, where he returns to SmackDown a little and then returns to SmackDown a little early in December, to set up a final encounter with Orton at Armageddon in a Hell in a Cell match. Taker Taker wins the match, as, uh, aside from the casket match. Hell in the Cell is kind of Undertaker's baby as well. After this, uh, Undertaker took a hiatus. Joe, do you remember why? No. During this matchup, Bob Orton interfered, to which got involved in the match, and then Taker took you know, punched him in the face multiple times and caused him to blade, to which he would bleed all over not only Taker and his <laughs> son. The problem with this is Bob Orton has hep C. Oh, yep. <laughs> so Taker was gone for a while to make sure that there was no hep in him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think the story goes that nobody told Mr. Taker that, you know, one of the participants in this match had hep C. Nope. Definitely not Bob, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know if Bob told anybody, because after this, he was gone from WWE programming, never to be seen from again until he was eventually led into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Royal Rumble t- 2006. Undertaker returned, interrupting Kurt Angle's world title defense victory against Mark Henry. As he appears on a black horse-drawn carriage by a black horse, and then uses his un- his uh, ghostly powers to collapse the ring as Kurt is celebrating. At No Way Out 2006, the two met in a title def- in a title match, going over 30 minutes. Angle went over after countering Hell's Gate with a roll up. Taker then uh, cornered him after the match and told Angle that he had his number and he wanted a rematch, and he got it on SmackDown, <laughs> but. Mark Henry interfered and cost him the match. This sets up arguably what may be the weakest match of the streak, at least in my opinion, as Henry swore to be the guy that ended the streak. Yeah, it didn't work out so well. No, take her over 14-0. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) 
It's Mark Henry. He's going to get injured. Anyway, the feud ended during the rematch on SmackDown when another plucky young newcomer came in and interfered. Joe, do you remember who it is? I'll give you a hint. He doesn't, looking at him, you would assume he has no knees or elbows. <laughs> Wait, what? In other words, he can't really bend that well. Oh, God. Kali? Yes, sir. Oh, God. <laughs> the great Kali. Oh, and his majesty. <laughs> Man. This is back when they were pushing him mega hard because they thought he would be the next Andre. Didn't work yeah, it didn't out quite work. Well. Not quite. <laughs> Taker was off TV from this assault till May 5th, <laughs> where he challenged Kali on SmackDown. The two would meet on Judgment Day 2006, where Kali went over clean as, once again, WWE swore up and down he would be the next Andre. A rematch was made for the Great American Bash 2006 in the very confusing Punjabi prison match. <laughs> the very first one, and there was even a play set for this, Joe. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, a Pujambi playset where you can get a <laughs> ring and everything. But anyway, originally, like I said, it was supposed to be Kali and Taker. But on the day of the show, Kali found out that he had elevated liver enzymes, which uh, I suppose means he was on some kind of drug. But I'm not sure. <laughs> but you know, it sounds above our pay grade. Indeed. So Kali was taken out of the match, and for no reason, they just shoehorned Big Show in. <laughs> Take her over, I guess. Yeah. The two would have their final match in Survivors at Survivor Survivor Series 2006 in a last man standing match. After battering Taker with chairs, there's ended the feud. Feud with a choke slam. For after this, Taker started working with another plucky young newcomer, U.S. Champion Mister Kennedy at No Mercy 2006. Taker lost this match after he hit hit Kennedy in the face with the U.S. belt. And then teamed up with Kane for the first time in five years to take on Kennedy and MVP, who Kane was feuding with. Which, Man, uh, that's, that's with, the most 2006 match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you think this is the most 2006 match, wait till I get to the Elimination Chamber for this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so... Brothers of Destruction over. Taker would then go on to lose a first blood match with Kennedy at Survivor Series 06 as after interference from MVP. He would, however, beat Kennedy in a last ride matchup late, later that on SmackDown. This ended up this end of the feud minus some TV matches, though Kennedy got some heat back by costing Undertaker two shots at the world title. This was for not, however, as while Kennedy got the title title shot at the Royal Rumble, Taker would end up winning the Royal Rumble itself, becoming, you remember how he made history, Joe? No. He became the first guy to enter at number 30 and win. Really? Yep. <laughs> Before Taker, even though they made a big deal about how 30 was the sp was the spot to get, we had more people come in at number one and win than... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Like, at that point, had two people won at number one? Yep. Uh, Cena would be the other one. As, you know, they can say now, like, one in 30 have the same amount of winners, which still doesn't make sense, but whatever. It's, <laughs> right. it's wrestling. 
Taker, after winning, would choose to take on Batista for the world title at WrestleMania 23. In, uh, it was a big match built around respect, and it was actually pretty tough to call because they were really pushing Batista at this time. And rightly so, because Batista back then was awesome. He was. I would argue he's still awesome. <laughs> and uh, really, and for anyone who said otherwise, Batista really gave them all the finger with this match as they really tore the house down at WrestleMania 23. And uh, well, like I said, they were really pushing him so much so that if they made the decision to have him end the streak, I would have been, yeah, I, I can see understand why. <laughs> <laughs> but Batista, despite made, uh, the awesome match, went down as we're now 15-0. and 0. Mm. Even right down here, one of the few times I really wondered who was going to win. Takes it after this. Once they start pointing out it's a streak, you're like, okay, they sort of want to keep that. But there are a few times where I'm like, huh, who's going to win? Batista would immediately activate his rematch clause, however, and ask for a last man standing match, which he got at Backlash 2007. And I actually really liked what they do with the feud from here. At this point, they set it up so that Undertaker and and uh, Batista are so equal that they can't get a victory out of each other as they would draw after Batista spear taker off the stage, causing an <laughs> explosion <laughs> and they were both counted out. The two would wrestle again in smack on SmackDown in a steel cage matchup, which both guys escaped at the same time. Kind of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. That in one of those uh, botches in wrestling, they do like a split screen where they're showing you both guys jump down to try to make it look like they both touched at the same time. However, it's obvious that they're tr- that they're playing with it to make it look like that. But if you look on Taker's side where you see Batista in the corner, you could see that Taker clearly hits first. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a draw. Then Henry came out of nowhere and attacked Taker again. For whatever reason. At this point, Taker is so much of a legend that people just attack him just to make themselves look good. And that's kind of all the story you need, I guess. <laughs> After the attack, Edge, who had just beaten Mr. Kennedy from his money in the bank, would then come out and cash in on Taker, becoming the new world heavyweight champion. The Druids would come out again and take Undertaker to the back, where he would once again disappear for some time. In reality, Taker needed arm surgery, and Vince didn't want him to simply forfeit the title. After that, after the whole altercation, Henry bragged for weeks and weeks about being the guy who ended The Undertaker. But Taker finally returned at Unforgiven 2007 and beat Henry. To give you an idea, folks, uh, he was gone from April to September. So he was gone for a while. Yeah. Again on SmackDown... And then he beat him again on SmackDown two weeks later. At when after this, Taker turned his sights back on the t- on the world title, which had been won once again by Batista, and Batista finally got his victory back at Cyber Monday with special <laughs> guest ref Steve Austin. After two Batista bombs, Batista finally gets his win, and thus sort of completes the process of looking good. I really, I actually really dug it. Put, and, put, <laughs> put the young guy over. You know? <laughs> and side note is that this is an era of pay-per-views that really made 
a lot of they're they're really experimental in some of these pay-per-views with this whole Cyber Monday and like mm-hmm. Taboo Tuesday. Uh, just it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean basically the same thing, but it's like all right, it's just a weird time for for pay-per-views. I mean, there was a time where you know those votes actually meant something. Like I remember <laughs> the very first match was who would Intercontinental Champion Chris Jericho face, and there was literally thirty people to pick from, and, <laughs> and Shelton Benjamin won and won the title. So we literally pick the next uh, IC champion. <laughs> now we get, what match do you want? Do you want a no DQ match, a street fight, <laughs> a finals count anywhere? Like, those are the same thing. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, they, uh, they would face off again at Survivor Series in a Hell in a Cell match. Batista would retain, but thanks to Edge screwing The Undertaker by dressing up as a camera guy and nailing Taker with a camera. <laughs> Taker responded to this, as any gentleman would, by grabbing uh, Vicky Guerrero, Edge's on-screen girlfriend, and tombstoning her. Very classy. Once again, still a face. <laughs> <laughs> GM Teddy Long, Long would come out and punish The Undertaker by putting him in a world title match triple threat with Edge and Batista. But not jail. No, of course not. <laughs> not even a fine. <laughs> Taker... They would have a, a, their match, and uh, Taker Tombstone Batista seemingly had the match won, but Edge nailed Taker with a chair and stole the pin, becoming the new champ. Taker would beat Finley, Great Khali, or oh, this is what I was talking about. Tell me which of these things should not be along in this group, okay? Okay. Big Daddy V, <laughs> NVP, Great Khali, Finley. The Undertaker. Finley, huh? <laughs> like everyone in that in that match is like eight hundred feet tall and like four feet wide. MVP, really? Oh, MVP also. <laughs> it was he wasn't that big, man. A... <laughs> yes, yeah, so in a literal in a veritable who's that of, uh, of an, <laughs> this was an elimination chamber, Joe. At No Way Out 2008, Taker would beat all these guys somehow and become the number one contender for the world title at WrestleMania 24, with the champion still being Edge. Sadly, he, uh, th- there was a real big opportunity for like a streak versus streak match for this, because little did anyone realize Edge was undefeated as well at WrestleMania at this time. What was his streak at? I don't know, but I do know that up until, like, he's even point, tried to point this out to get people to nibble on it, but nobody jumped for it. But Edge was, uh, since debuting, had never lost at WrestleMania. But regardless, uh, it could have been a nice little streak versus streak build, but Taker and Edge have a nice, very, very cool match at WrestleMania 24. But guess who wins? Undertaker, <laughs> 16-0. He would then beat Edge again at Backlash 2009 using Hell's Gates. Now, something I should point out around this time with this move. As uh, when Taker would do this move, when Taker came back uh, being the dead man again, the move had a tendency to cause people to have blood just explode from the guy's mouth. And they would just pass out. (laughs) <laughs> like he did this to Kali, I remember in specific, and 
you know, the guy passed out. And that was the game. It was such a devastating submission that would cause you to bleed. So much so that WWE management would take turns banning and unbanning the move. <laughs> like, you think it would just be simpler for for Taker at this point to find a new submission hole. But All right. He would uh, beat Edge again with the Hell's Gate at Backlash 2009. However, the next night on SmackDown, Vicky stripped Taker of the belt for using a legal chokehold. <laughs> this set up another matchup with Taker taking on Edge. Edge, who had to win a uh, number one contender's battle royal to get in. Taker would win the match at Judgment Day, but he won it by countout. And Vicky said, well, the belt can't change hands by countout. Well, it can if nobody's the champion, Vicky, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Taker and Edge would face off one more time at One Night Stand 2008 in a TLC matchup, which I didn't write it down on my list later on the show, but uh, check out this match. It's really fun and over the top. After interference from, and I'm not joking, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, <laughs> Chavo Guerrero, and Bam Neely, also known as La Familia, Edge regained the title, and per the stipulation, Taker was banished from WWE. <laughs> this was in June. Gone for good, I mean. Oh, yeah. He last, he was gone for a good two months. After <laughs> a falling out with Vicky and Edge, per Edge cheating with Alicia Fox, Vicky got revenge by reinstating The Undertaker and booking Edge and Taker at SummerSlam 2008 in a Hell in a Cell match. It was a uh, the build for this. I remember being really, really fun. As Edge kind of turned into the Joker to get into the <laughs> mindset to face Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. It's like he has an interview with Mick Foley, and first he's asking him, "Teach me how to face the Undertaker," because he wanted to go with the guy who got his ass kicked the hardest against Taker. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Ed, Mick Foley counters by saying, "You know who I think has the best shot against Taker? Edge." <laughs> and he points out all his accolades and, and all the stuff he went in through TLC and all that. If, like, if that edge can come out, if he could take on Undertaker, he, I think Taker would be in trouble. And Edge responded with, he understood, and then proceeded to attack McFoley and ended his announcing career. <laughs> From there, he started kidnapping Vicky, taking out members of La Familia, and just doing, like, crazy things in general. I actually really dug this Edge character, but sadly, we only got him for this build. As SummerSlam came, and uh, the two fought in a classic, but Undertaker went over in a really, really fun match, and Edge disappeared for a little while, too. After this, Taker focused his attention back at Vicky, who hadn't forgotten her part in his banishment. <laughs> Taker was about to get Vicky at Unforgiven 2008 when Big Show jumped Jumped out of nowhere, and it saved Vicky. The two would face off at No Mercy 2008, with Big Show shockingly getting the victory by knocking Taker out. Then at Cyber Monday, they faced off in a last-man-standing match, with Taker went with the, which Taker won with Hell's Gate. Then finally, at Survivor Series 2008, they faced off in a casket match. Which, as far as casket matches go, I you know it's not, I can't really say I dug the match. What's really cool is the finish, as like the casket is propped up with the door open, and you see Taker grab Big Show, Irish whip him into the casket, <laughs> he goes into it, it slides a little bit, then leans over, falls over, lid closes, that's <laughs> it. 
it was cool. It was like something from a video game. And so take her over on ending that feud. Now, Joe, we're at WrestleMania season. It's WrestleMania 25. As JBL announces, he wanted to be the one who ended the streak, which (laughs) Shawn Michaels came out and said, hey, up yours. I want that shot. So they had a match to decide who would get it, and HPK won, which next week Vicky would come out and force Ursa HBK to take on the undefeated Kozlov for the chance to go for the go for the streak. And Taker ended Kozlov's undefeated streak. And folks at home, no, I don't mean Rusev, no. <laughs> there was another yeah. Russian gimmick before this one. <laughs> and Rusev's doing it better. Anyway, <laughs> so HBK versus Undertaker at t- WrestleMania 25 was made, and the build was very interesting. We saw... There's a few times in HBK's career since he came back where he played a heel. One was for the Hulk Hogan feud at at SummerSlam, right? And which which was amazing. And granted, he wasn't like heel heel, but he was playing mind games on Taker. He was leaving, doing videos, doing like promos in a graveyard. Heard there even was a segment where Taker was chasing him in the back and. <laughs> And uh, HBK hid in a casket, and when Taker went to open up the casket, he was gone. So Taker was shocked and closed the lid and started walking away. And then he stopped, turned around, and HBK came out of the casket and super kicked him. (laughs) Oh, it was great. And plus, at this, HBK was wearing pretty much a version of Undertaker's outfit, except all in white. And would actually recite lines from Genesis as a way to point, show that he and Taker were like night and day. As, you know, <laughs> HBK is a legit holy guy. <laughs> All your favorite Phil Collins lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they wrestled at WrestleMania 25. It was all right. I give it 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> they proceeded to have one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing because at this point, you know, both... Both guys had been in in the wrestling game for a long time, but somehow they're both pretty much at the peak of their careers. Mm-hmm. It's like it's amazing to think about that. You know, HBK. Like, I'll, I'll I'll mention this more when we get to the next WrestleMania. Yeah, but you know, like I said, you were they were just having the greatest matches of their lives, and it's really the twilight of. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely go check this match out. It was great. Taker disappeared after that and came back at SummerSlam 2009 to chokeslam the world champion CM Punk. The two would meet at Breaking Point 2009 in a submission match. Taker had the match won with Hell's Gate, but Teddy restarted the match as once again the moves banned. <laughs> Punk would then lock in the Anaconda Vice. And mirroring Survivor Series 1997, Long rang the bell immediately before Taker had a chance to answer the ref's question. Taker responded to this by kidnapping Teddy Long, assaulting him, <laughs> and then dropping off, dropping him off in the ring at uh, SmackDown. When CM Punk came out to check on him, who is asking, acting pretty facey at this point, Gate took a mic, said... Undertaker has a match. He's going to receive no punishment. And uh, his rematch is going to be in his specialty, Hell in a Cell. Great. This is great. <laughs> Kidnap and assault on national TV. And no, no, he's good. 
Uh, <laughs> he'll be fine. That <laughs> was good. Taker got his rematch at Hell in the Cell, beating Punk for the belt. Taker <laughs> would successfully defend his in this belt in matches in a match with Bisterio, Batista, and Punk at Bragging Rights 2009. Now this is the World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> yes, sir. Then he would defeat Jericho in a triple threat at uh, Survivor Series 2009. That was an interesting Survivor Series as it was like DX. It was like technically it was Sean Hunter who were DX and uh, John Cena in a triple threat. And then you had Jericho and Big Show, the World Tag Team Champions, with The Undertaker in a triple threat for the title. So an interesting pair of that one. Then he defeated Batista at TLC 2009, going back to that feud. We're back at WrestleMania season, Joe. (laughs) Seems to get quicker and quicker with Undertaker nowadays. It's like he's not there for the whole year or something. (laughs) It was at this point that HBK challenged Undertaker to a rematch, feeling he almost had him. He he actually did this during the Slammies when he won an award for match of the year with Taker. And he just, the way he was acting, he felt so weird picking up this award when he'd lost. (laughs) Right. And he was like, you know what? I can take him. I could have had him. Yeah, because, I mean, his his logic was believable because, you know, they both have been tearing the house down. uh, And then at the very end of the match, you know, Michael's, does an ill-advised move off the top rope where he's immediately caught by Taker and Tombstone for the for the one two three. Yeah, he, uh, I, I believe if I remember correctly, he goes for the moonsault, gets caught, and then Tombstoned. Yeah, and then that's the end of the match. Indeed. So when he says like, "I almost had him," it's like, "Yeah, you can kind of believe it." Mm-hmm. So he, with that, he challenged the Undertaker. Then when he made his return on Raw, however. Undertaker just simply said no and walked off. <laughs> yeah, like he had nothing to prove to Michaels anymore. So, Taker tried to do it the facey way, so he had no choice but to do it the Healy way. At Elimination Chamber 2009, Taker was defending his world title in an Elimination Chamber matchup, and he was on his way towards uh, retaining the championship, as it was down to him and Chris Jericho. HBK would rise from the ring, and surprise Undertaker with Sweet Chin music right to the face. And with that, Chris Jericho, who you may remember punched uh, HBK and <laughs> his wife in the face. Whoops. <laughs> yep. But hey, all's, all's forgiven. Let's give the belt to him. <laughs> Edge. Uh, Edge. Jericho wins and Taker loses the title. By the way, a few things I want to mention about Elimination Chamber 2009. Do you know why this was a uh, mem- a sadly memorable show for The Undertaker? No. This was the pay-per-view where the pyrotechnic guy effed up, and the pyro went off as Taker was coming down the ramp. <laughs> like, if you uh, go back to that match and just watch Taker's entrance, like, if you weren't paying attention the first time, you just see Taker walking to the ring at a faster pace than I've ever seen him walk. And you see him take off his uh, leather jacket. Like you, When he comes to the ring, folks, he has this whole ritual on how he takes off his gear. Like he starts with a hat. He takes his coat off, kind of folds it, hands it to you know Paul Bearer or the ref, and then gets ready for action. Here, he's just ripping off his clothes and dropping it on the ramp as he accept, as he speed walks down. And if you look at the jacket, it kind of looks like the jacket's dripping. 
like as if the leather jacket was melting off his body. Then you notice, is it me or is the Undertaker really red? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is because, folks, like I said, the pyro went off. And this is sort of like Kane-style flames here. So Undertaker went through with this Elimination Chamber match with first and second degree burns. And a lot of the leather from his jacket had melted and grafted onto his skin. Great. This is the closest Undertaker's ever come to breaking character. (laughs) And again, a testament to his unwavering commitment to kayfabe. Yeah, like the closest he's ever come, he walked a little faster to the (laughs) ring. I'm burning half to death, but like it. Yeah, you you don't see him showing emotion still. He's not saying ow. He's not talking to the camera or the ref. He's just Undertaker. It's he's incredible. <laughs> he's just Undertaker at one point two five speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pyro guy was promptly fired and kicked out of the arena immediately following this. <laughs> Uh, was that on camera or something? No, no, that was backstage. Like, Chris Jericho talked about this on his podcast. That after that, you know, the guy was like, as soon as, uh, t- before even Taker made it to the ring, all inside the ring, Vince and company grabbed the guy, tossed him out into the street, and he was relieved of his duties. <laughs> he probably didn't even have to say anything to him. He's like, yep, I know. I've, I've, I'm gathering my things. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh. He was fired for not only that, but probably Taker would have killed him if you ever saw him. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, like, imagine, oh, God. Like, I, I hate to even say this, but imagine if, you know, we had, like, another Owen Hart style and situation and something worse happened to Taker. Ugh. Oh, man, and just the idea of wrestling a full match with first and second degree burns. Like, keep in mind, this is the guy who wrestled a freaking Hell in the Cell match with a broken hand, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Take, Lord. Taker's a tough guy, man. So after this, going back to the main story, Shawn Michaels cost him the world title. Enraged, Taker accepted the rematch. But if Taker was going to risk his streak, he wanted something of Michaels to be on the line too. And he said that would be his career. Yes, because, again, uh, he had nothing to prove to Shawn Michaels after having beating, beat him the year before. Meaning if Shawn lost, his career was over. Now, believe it or not, Joe, you know, I, I'm sure you'll say you knew that this obviously this didn't really give it away from me because as we just pointed out, they just had the match of their lives last year. You're like, would Sean or WWE like let Sean Michaels go? Oh, like it's Sean Michaels, man. You know, it's like <laughs> I guess part of me was like even thinking, you oh, know, Sean Michaels can't go. He's Sean Michaels. Yeah. I mean, and then the performances they've been giving at that point, like he clearly had at least a couple more years of good years in him. Yeah, like, if he was able to have that with Taker, you know, he had decades left. <laughs> but, testament to Michaels, I guess, you know, you don't really need, he had nothing left to prove. As, once again, WrestleMania 26, they tear the house down. Mm-hmm. And was made rightfully into the main event of uh, WrestleMania, beating out both uh, t- world title matches. And, they wrestled another classic Take her over, ending the career of Michaels, which unlike, uh, I've, I've said this on like forums and boards and people lambaste me, but if you lose a career ending match at Mania now, that's it. That, yeah. cause you know, they want the, that match to mean something. They don't want to do another savage. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like it's people 
tout WrestleMania 25's match over WrestleMania 26, right? WrestleMania 26 is, is my favorite of the two matches between Undertaker and Michaels. That's because the storytelling in it is incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. Like, like at the very end of the match where where Undertaker doesn't want to go through with the tombstone to end Michaels' career, so he, so Michaels just slaps him silly to oh, make yeah. him do it. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, it's and so makes, good. And makes that cross across his name. It was kind of imitating the matchup Sean had with Ric Flair that had similar conditions. Yeah, and yeah. and the <laughs> and the ridiculous like like it's the most powerful tombstone pile driver that I've ever seen. Like Undertaker deliver too, like not just for its emotional impact, but for the fact that he actually jumped off his feet delivering yeah, it. It was, was a like jumping tombstone. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> like. It's just an amazing match. It's my favorite between the two uh, Michaels Undertaker matches. Yeah, and uh, I'll say it. I was in tears, like seeing Michaels just sitting there in the middle of the ring. You know, Taker quickly left as you know he wasn't the story anymore. Yeah, as uh, he got as like Sean slowly got up to his knees and looked to the lights, and he just smiled as he just knew it was over. And then you see just the audience, and they're all crying as they realize, oh fuck, it's over. Uh, it's such a it's such a moment, and you know, Sean leaves to applause. And uh, the next night on Raw, like uh, this is my personal favorite because it just works with both characters. Sean comes out to say goodbye, and then suddenly, like before he can start, the ta- Taker's music plays, and Taker walks out again. And he doesn't say anything. He just take you know grabs his Stetson hat and just does a tip and just walks away again. It was like a very fitting end, and uh, yeah, one of the, arguably the greatest matchup in the history of all time. I mean, <laughs> oh man! So after this, Taker would be gone again, but he returned to TV on May twenty eighth, defeating Rey Mysterio for a spot on the Fatal Four Way pay per view in on June two thousand ten. Now, Joe. Would you believe me if I told you that Undertaker got seriously injured in a match with Ray freaking Mysterio? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he would actually. Uh, take a get. Would you like to guess what happened to Undertaker in this match? He got six oh nine so hard that I don't know. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he got booyakasha. <laughs> okay, apparently. Mysterio fucked his shit up quite hard in this match as Taker suffered a concussion, a broken orbital bone, and a broken nose, Joe. Jeez, was it really a 619 then? I, uh, like, I, I don't know what it was. It, apparently he got cronked pretty bad, man. <laughs> I was making a goof, but I mean, that, that sounds like that would happen with a, a botched 619. It's, it's the steel-plated kneecaps. <laughs> And uh, as a result of all this, Taker could not compete in that match. So they just put Mysterio back in there, because sure. And uh, <laughs> he actually went on to win the title in this Fatal 4-Way match. Nice. The injuries were covered up by Kane, who said he found his brother in a vegetative state. He's saying <laughs> that he was assaulted. So he blamed Mysterio for it, because, no, yeah, that doesn't make Taker look weak at all, having, like, <laughs> the three-foot ri- Mysterio Jr. being a guy to assault him <laughs> so bad he was in a coma. <laughs> Mysterio would respond with, dude, that makes no sense. How would I kill the Undertaker? 
Oh, man. I mean, to put it in perspective, like, imagine if uh, Kratos was found beaten up and uh, somebody blamed Rayman. <laughs> no sense whatsoever, but anyway. Um, Kane and uh, Mysterio would feud with Kane even beating him for the title. Taker would then return at SummerSlam 2010 to confront Kane and Mysterio to find out who was the assailant, only for Kane to assault him and Tombstone tombstone Taker and leave him laying. Kane would reveal himself to be the attacker. Who would have thought? (laughs) (laughs) Not those good brothers, Kane and Undertaker. Uh, So they would fight at Night of Champions 2010 with Kane retaining. Taker would fight Kane again at Hell in the Cell, even bringing back Paul Bearer, only for Paul Bearer to turn again and help Kane win the match. This family! What is wrong with them? <laughs> like, nothing makes sense. They just randomly switch allegiance and a whim. Mm. Finally, Kane beat Taker at bragging rights in a buried alive match with help from the Nexus. Uh, I I enjoyed the feud and the fact that you know after killing Kane so many times in the past, as uh, for Undertaker to not only give him three straight victories like this during the time he was world champion to make him look be- look make him look good, and on top of that, you know Kane put him out and you know Taker never got his revenge for this technically. So, yeah, this made Kane look really good. Uh, Taker needed more surgery. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But anyway, Taker would make his return on February 21st, 2011 on Monday Night Raw. He grabbed the mic, but before he could say the word, play a word, or say a word, all of a sudden, time to play the game. (laughs) Triple H came out. As a stunned Undertaker looked. (laughs) (laughs) This promo, by the way, you guys have to see because not one word is uttered. And it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Triple H just does his poses as he was making his return, too. (laughs) And Undertaker is just standing there like, are you you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) They would then go face to face. And they just looked at each other as like the crowd just ate this moment up. And then slowly, Triple H looks over at the WrestleMania sign. To which Undertaker shakes his head and smirks like as if he's laughing. But then he stops, suddenly turns around, looks at Triple H, and gives the slash across the neck motion, and the match is on. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant moment, and not a single word is uttered. Uh, the closest thing you could say to this happening again since would be the end of that uh Sting and Triple H segment from uh, the last pay-per-view. Fastlane. Fastlane thing. It's a new (laughs) pay-per-view, I think. The difference being that Triple H could not stop talking (laughs) (laughs) during this confrontation. It took a baseball bat to the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There were so many factors on why this match was happening. Some people say it was revenge from Triple H for getting Sean retired. Others saying it was Triple H having something to prove. Uva, but this match was happening, and it was pretty impre- pretty amazing. As it was a little surreal, as it looked really did look like Triple H had Taker's number. 
He was countering all his moves, even at one point hitting a tombstone pile driver on Taker, and everyone thought that was the match. <laughs> oh, man. And back and forth, and when and Taker has the sledgehammer, uh, Triple H has the sledgehammer, as it's no DQ. He's about to take out Undertaker when, with one last fleeting gasp of energy, Taker locks in the Hell's Gate, forcing the submission. Taker is now 19-0. and 0. But the thing to remember about this, despite Triple H walking, despite Triple H losing, he was able to walk out of the match, out of the ring on his own power, while Taker had to be loaded up on a stretcher and a mini ambulance and taken to the back. Taker would not wrestle, would not appear again until WrestleMania season for WrestleMania 28. <laughs> now, was he actually hurt? Or is that just a sell for, you know, the fact that, you know, this is like the most brutal match that he'd had at that point? Uh, I think it's a mix of injury, sell, and uh, the fact that he, he, I think he realizes at this point he could just make a living doing WrestleMania and that's it. <laughs> um, Taker was off TV for a full 10 months when he came back wanting a rematch with Triple H, saying that he, despite winning... He can't really say he won that fight. Triple H initially declines, saying that the streak, because keep in mind, Triple H is now COO Triple H at this point, and saying that the streak was one of the things keeping WWE in business, and he didn't want to lose that, which, considering Triple H's character, makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do what's best for business. Mm -hmm. However, after some mind games, Triple H finally accepted, and... By mind games, I mean Taker basically said, you know, Sean was better. (laughs) (laughs) Sean would actually uh, confront Triple H the next uh, week on Raw. Actually, kind of insulted that it was the notion that Sean was better that goaded uh, Triple H into accepting (laughs) the match. Yeah, it's like, hey, what the hell? (laughs) Like, that was some kind of insult. So... He, uh, after a brief confrontation, Shawn Michaels, in a, in a moment I was actually there for, by the way, just casually mentions, oh, by the way, I'm the special guest ref for your match, and walks <laughs> out. It was labeled the end of an era, mainly not so much because either of these guys was going to stop wrestling, but, you know, this was pretty much farewell to the Attitude Era. It was at a better time in wrestling. It was a very interesting match as uh, it was once again started with Triple H just destroying The Undertaker, which, by the way, uh, take Triple H's condition for accepting the match was that this was a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. And he which was is, just... Go ahead. Well, I mean, because this is great because both men had entered into a ton of Hell in a Cell matches at that point and both of them had pretty much dominated them. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, like, I, I think it was like... You know, Undertaker had like one one more victory in Hell in the Cell than Triple H did, but you know both of them were considered masters of the match. Yeah, yeah. like they'd both wrestled them a ton, but somehow they they didn't necessarily wrestle each other instead of Hell in the Cell. Oh yeah, and it was a nice back and forth, and it had the closest. Like, if I could tell you one moment that I thought the streak was really over, it would be during this match. Taker had. Keep him just attack Shawn Michaels, yep. and Shawn countered with super kicking uh, Undertaker out of nowhere. To which Triple H kicks him, pedigrees him, 
that pretty much their finisher when they were DX. And he goes for the cover. Michael goes for the goes for the count. I thought for sure that that was it. Yeah. But Taker kicked out to the shock of like everyone in that <laughs> arena. If I could give like one downside to it, after seeing him kick out of that, it took a lot. I, I was pretty much dead to streak matches because if he kicked out of that, it's like okay, nothing's gonna do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and again, this is another Michaels Undertaker like just masterclass in in ring storytelling because I oh, thought, God, yeah. cause man alive, the whole just whole the whole build within the match itself is is terrific stuff because uh, yeah, like they're. Like they, everybody's just laying into each other, just going nuts at each other, and, and yeah, it's just like at at one point, you know, you know, Undertaker, like at, at his match at the retirement match, just told him, you know, told Shawn Michaels just to stay down, or, uh, and you know, Triple H had brought that back, you know, telling him to stay down after he'd just been wailing on him with the sledgehammer and and all these like super kicks and pedigrees and chairs, it's like stay down, <laughs> and and it's just it's just so great, it's so great, it yeah. is. Like everyone made that match truly memorable, and then Taker over you know much like uh, the matches with Sean, you know, it was clear at the end uh, Triple H was beat, and you know, you know he accepted his destiny, did the DX cross chop, and just charged with his hammer, only for Taker to easily counter into a tombstone for the victory. Yep. They hug at the end to a standing ovation from everyone there. Uh, Taker would make periodic uh, returns, appearing on Raw 1000 on July 23rd, helping his brother beat up a group of jobbers. It's <laughs> pretty much what it was. Old School Raw on March 4th, 2014. 13. He just basically showed up. He just came out, oh, look, it's The Undertaker. That was pretty much it. Uh, on that same show, however, CM Punk... CM Punk won a four-way with Orton, Big Show, and Sheamus to get the next shot with Taker. That's right. A little after this, sadly, Paul Bearer, a.k.a. Percy Pringle, passed away. Yeah, almost immediately. Like a day or two after, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they used, uh, you know, with, like, the blessing of everyone involved, old, uh, Punk started using the death, you know, to further antagonize The Undertaker. Uh, starting with uh, Taker coming to the ring to give like a farewell to per- to to Paul, basically they showed like his image on the Titan Tron, and Taker did like the one knee, you know, he yeah. had like this weird salute. I hate the, I don't know how it's not like saluting like he's an army guy, but yeah, like this thing that he he would do after his WrestleMania matches, basically where he would kind of like channel his dark energy or whatever. Yeah, and just do it in honor of that, and then all of a sudden you hear the. Like, oh, and Taker's face, like, told the story in volumes right there. Yeah, like, I've never seen anybody look so livid, even, like, and, you know, obviously it's it's all work, but it's like, man, he's so good at being very, very bad at you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) CM Punk would increase the feud by stealing the urn, which now now they would say had, like, Undertaker's uh, Undertaker. Uh, (laughs) Paul Bear's ashes. Right. And even attacking, not only attacking Undertaker with it, but bathing him in the ashes and then rubbing CM Punk, rubbing it all over his body too. It's, it's, it's some of the most absolutely heelish work I've ever seen. It's like, man, this is so, this is so mean. Oh, <laughs> like gosh. it was so good though. And it, it was, was uncomfortable for a little while. It was oh, like, yeah. man, it's like, because you know, like everybody knew that, you know, they had Paul Bear's 
you know, his family's blessing to, to go through with this angle uh, and with the antics that ensued along the way. But it still was like, man, this guy, <laughs> this guy's really skirting a line here. Oh, yeah. Like, people are still say it went too far, which, you know, all right, you need to go back and watch 80s wrestling and then tell me it's too far. <laughs> um, the, my only issue with was it is it made it pretty clear who was winning. Like you oh, can't, you, yeah, you can't have Punk do all this and then go over. <laughs> Could you imagine if he did all that and still broke the streak? It's like, oh god, oh. be the biggest heel in WWE history. Yeah, and uh, going back to what I was saying about the super kick into the pedigree, sort of ruining streak matches. Uh, we go into WrestleMania 29, and I, not for one second did I think Punk was winning. Like oh, there was no. this. The big spot, I guess, of the match, like they they try to have one moment where you think the streak is ending, and uh, Taker basically goes for the last ride as Punk has him has the urn in his hand and he bops him on the head and every and the announcers start freaking out. Oh my god, it's over! Not this way! I'm like, oh, it's just an urn shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside from that, like it was, I it's still, in my opinion, probably the match of that of that night. Oh, uh, easily. That was a terrible WrestleMania. <laughs> it was actually the first WrestleMania I had watched in, in a long time live. Uh, and that was like, mm, okay. <laughs> like, for the most part, I was like, that was largely underwhelming. But that match between, you know, Punk and Taker was was head and shoulders better, above everything else. Like, Punk was just so, so defiant and, like, just, just so, just so good at getting under Taker's skin uh, that it was just so much fun to watch. You know, he, you know, slapping the Undertaker, doing things like the old school and, <laughs> and you know, trying to pull off, you know, tombstones. It's like, yeah, this is, this, this is awesome stuff. Like my favorite moment of that whole, of that whole match, uh, is punk locks in the Anaconda vice and Taker just sits up and <laughs> he turns his head looking at uh, punk. Who's like not next to him. And punk is freaking out. <laughs> yeah, he's terrified. It's like, man, Oh, it, it was so good. But, uh, Taker has to win, and he does 21-0 at this point. Yep, 21. Anyway, yeah, that, that, the streak is never going to end. Oh, uh, dude, no, dude. You didn't. But we'll get more into that at the next WrestleMania, which, trust me, won't be too soon. <laughs> won't be too long. <laughs> uh, during this time, uh, Taker stuck around, actually, for a little while, uh, teaming up with Team Hell No to to push uh, the, some newcomers called The Shield. And <laughs> if you can find this matchup, it was a Raw, but yeah. Taker and Team Hell No versus The Shield, such a good match. Like, The Shield matches in general are all classics. Like, mm-hmm. I actually went out and bought the DVD set, The Destruction of The Shield, just so I could have some Shield matches on tap. <laughs> My favorite, absolute favorite matchup in this like taker was just so taker in this one like there's this one moment where dean ambrose is in the ring he looks at taker and he points at him and he's like why would you come in here dead man <laughs> and taker just defiantly like leans over makes the cross against the neck going full taker in the freaking arena explodes <laughs> man i mean the shield was so so money oh god yeah i can't, i can't wait to talk about shield members but but uh, well, Roman Reigns, that's going to be a quick episode. <laughs> and then he was injured. The end. <laughs> Taker, and believe it or not, just from this interaction, Dean Ambrose got a one-on-one match with The Undertaker on yeah. SmackDown. Dean freaking Ambrose. <laughs> and at this point, he wasn't the cool motherfucker that he is now. Oh, but there were, there were some people concerned that, you know, Seth, that he would be left in the dust. But... 
Nope. After this matchup with the take with Taker, it really like turned a lot of heads. I feel. Yeah. Taker over with submission, but the Shield grabs him, super power bombs him through a table, and there he goes off TV. <laughs> so. He's gone from TV for a while until February 24th. Hey, WrestleMania season. (laughs) Brock Lesnar at this point had been campaigning for a world title match. But nobody would would give it to him. So Taker finally said, this is Taker. So Brock Lesnar came in the ring with an open contract saying, unless uh, somebody signs this, I'm not leaving the ring. Taker appeared and uh, walked to the ring and uh, started sizing up Brock Lesnar. As he smiled, he looked over to Paul. Paul smiled as they realized <laughs> this is, we wanted a chance to make history. This is it right here. We end the streak. So Brock signs it. Goes oh, to hand. Yeah, I remember this problem. Huh? Oh, yeah. Goes to give him the pen, which the taker grabs the pen and then stabs <laughs> Brock's hand. Now, sadly, what he should have done if I can critique right here, is then take out the pen from his hand with his blood on it and sign in Brock's blood. <laughs> or no, what he should have done is he should have put Brock's hand on the contract, stabbed it through that, and signed <laughs> signed with the pen through his hand. Well, that's a little over the top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then he choke slammed him through the table, and uh, the match was on. Yeah, that was great. So I'll I'll admit, Joe, going into this matchup, I thought, okay, I, I see a pattern here with these uh, streak matches, and I was actually like really complaining about streak matches. How, yeah. Like, I understood why they were there; they're an attraction for Mania, but for me, they had become like the most boring match on the card because you know who's going, you know who's going to going to win. Like, despite being uh, the best match of the card with Punk, that match with Punk sort of like soured me. It's like. Not for one second was I... <laughs> well, I think you were soured by the WrestleMania 28 thing where, you know, they had the DX finisher and he kicked out of it. But I, yeah, that I was like, that was that, the, that's like Russell- the ultimate finisher right there. <laughs> but WrestleMania 29 was the only match in between. So, I mean, it's only one match it could have possibly soured you on. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's like Brock's a part-timer. Uh, and and so is Taker. Like, clearly, uh, clearly there's only one way for this to end. Yeah, it's like, you know, once again, Brock's a part-timer. They've already fucked fucked up on him by having him job to Cena immediately. I mean, I was actually bitching to my wife, Sandra, throughout the entire match. Just saying, yeah, I I don't even know. Oh, well, I mean, it's obvious Taker's going to kick out. uh, And we're on the screen. I mean, Brock hits an F5. And you're like, like, watch, he's going to kick right out of this. One, two, three. (laughs) From there, much much like everyone in the arena, like I start staring at this. I'm my mouth is on the ground, Joe, and <laughs> I'm just staring at this. And much like everyone else in the arena, as the they count three, wait, <laughs> <laughs> and Sandra starts to talk. I'm like, Sandra, he just lost, and she's like, take her, and. Immediately, I don't know how your mind was working. Like, I was immediately, I looked for his legs. Like, maybe his foot was on the outside <laughs> of the rope, or maybe that was a fake ref, or there there had to be some <laughs> dusty finish to this. No, clean. No, 
Taker was, and we got like I want to say seven minutes of shocked silence. <laughs> Hearing the account from people that were at WrestleMania 30, like I guess, <laughs> I guess WWE did the right thing by muting the crowd mics because apparently people were booing incessantly. It was not the stunned silence that led you that really WWE leads you to believe. Apparently, it was nothing but booze showering the the uh the ring because they're like whoa like why would you end the streak against this part-time fool who only whose only motivation uh in wrestling is the money uh but well see that's what they're gonna do with roman reigns they're just gonna (laughs) mute the crowd the entire time (laughs) (laughs) but i mean it turns out you know much you know kind of like other things that kind of hashed out over the course of the past year since wrestlemania 30 uh i think like in hindsight it's like yeah that was absolutely the right thing to do uh, it was the right person to end the streak, and it was the right way to build, you know, Brock as this undefeatable monster over leading up to, you know, WrestleMania in a few weeks from now. Well, a small counterpoint. Let's, uh, you know, kind of fast forward to the present here, Joe. Uh, the the big rumor is that Brock's on his way out. Like, he's going to UFC, maybe Bellator, but he's going back into ultimate fighting. There's even a big rumor once again, rumor, that uh, him and Vince had a pretty tremendous altercation on Raw two weeks ago, too. <laughs> he fired them through through the desk backstage. <laughs> I would love to think so, Joe. I would like to think that. And so it looks like Brock is on his way out. And, like, imagine if somebody like, okay, for example, Bray Wyatt, if he had been the guy to end the streak and he had this accolade that he could carry with him for the rest of his career versus Brock, who's going to use who used it for about a year and is leaving um do you think the would you still say that it was uh, the right call to have brock to do it or do you think they should have went with some guy who's going to be around longer well i mean on top of i'm nice thinking that it was the right person to do it uh undertaker also kind of picked him also as the as the guy to end the streak too because he had matches with him before he worked with him before and he's like yes you know brock is by far the most believable person to end the the streak because part of his you know for all this all the hate people give him for being a part-time wrestler that part-time work really preserved his body in a way that you know he's in much better shape than most people his age uh at his point at this point in his career like you know rock is up there in age compared to younger guys in the roster but like he's still very much believable as a killing machine uh that you can just point in somebody's direction and have him just squash him basically Oh, and trust me, uh, I agree with you completely there. I, I I love the part-time atmosphere as it makes his appearances much more special. Like, I equate Brock Lesnar to Go- Godzilla. Like, <laughs> if you, like, watch a Godzilla movie, he's not in for the whole movie. But yeah. when he shows up, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're like, well, okay. Shit's going down. <laughs> Basically. Um, and, you know, Undertaker... Uh, you know, on top of, you know, obviously he loves wrestling as much as he does, but, like, he's also a big MMA fan as well. Like, he shows up to UFC events, at, you know, to, to watch. And, and like, honestly, for all the crap people give Brock for, for leaving to UFC, uh, like, I think that only earned even more of Taker's respect for him to go to UFC and become a champion and come back uh, and still be at the top of his game as a wrestler. So, like, mm. for, for Taker and for everybody else, you know, I don't think there was any other choice to end the streak than with Brock. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Uh, it did wonders for Brock's career, especially afterwards. Like, whatever damage was done by Job and Cena was quickly erased. Yeah. He ended the streak. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you look at a monster like Brock Lesnar, especially how he's been booked since. It makes perfect sense that he ended the streak. Yeah. Like, he, like my favorite part of that SummerSlam match with Cena where he won the title uh like he see <laughs> the way he was acting, it seemed like he had absorbed Undertaker's powers or something because like he was doing the whole pop up thing from the Met. Uh, yeah. And, you know, laughing with his tongue out and all this is like, okay, so I guess he's murdered the Undertaker and absorbed his life force or something <laughs> because he's he's acting like he is. But I mean he was kinda, you know, doing that in the first match. Like there's this uh, at uh, Extreme Rules with Cena where there's this one part where it's like he doesn't really understand how high he can jump. <laughs> like like, like uh, Cena was in the ropes, so he just bounces off the ropes and just jumps as high as he can and collides <laughs> with them. And they fall out and under. And it looks like, like uh, Brock's injured for a sec. But then he just pops up and starts laughing like and looking <laughs> up the ropes like, oh, my God, did you see that? <laughs> but, yeah, and one, once again, Undertaker gives back to the business as he's helped build up so many names, Batista, Edge, Kane, and countless others that we just went through. And here he is building up what has become the biggest obstacle in the WWE, which will eventually be overcome by the next future main guy, right? whether people like it or not, uh, in Roman Reigns. <laughs> And sorry, folks, he's absolutely going over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. Don't worry. Now, a lot of people say that, you know, the reason why it's absolutely going to be Roman Reigns, that, you know, if, like, if this was Vince's call, you know, maybe he had a talk with The Undertaker saying, all right, I want to end the streak because I eventually want this guy here yeah. to get the accolade. So despite the fact that he was injured for, like, six months and people are incessantly, incessantly booing him, he's going to keep <laughs> coming, so... Yeah, you know, it, yeah, and the timing worked out surprisingly well because you know I guess Taker finally figured you know it was time for the streak to end, and and I guess at the same time they could use Brock, you know, after defeating him to kind of build him as a monster to eventually fall to, you know, the next guy in line basically. So I guess it all worked out uh, serendipitously for for WWE. Yeah, and. Uh... I hope that Brock sticks around because I, I just love seeing him in WWE. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. And that's that's been the last image we've seen of Undertaker, at least so far, is him on the met, on the ground looking up with 21-1 <laughs> on the Titantron just above his head. Yeah. And probably, the once again, the most shocking moment in recent memory. Taker now has still yet to be on WWE TV. However, it looks like uh, they're prepping up a uh, a one-on-one uh, -on -one match with Bray Wyatt, <laughs> the new creature of darkness in the WWE. I like how they were trying to, to play it off as, like, who could he possibly be talking to in these vague promos? It's, like, like very clear. <laughs> like, it's clearly The Undertaker that he's addressing here. Like, he's, like he's just stopping just short of just sending... The Undertaker flowers <laughs> at this point. It's like, yeah, like, screw. and then you know he shows up at the Fastlane pay per view a few weeks ago. It's like, oh yeah, there you go. I mean, Taker is absolutely going over in this match, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, 
I, I'm guessing just so that your last image of him isn't him unconscious on the ground. Right. And you'll probably come back for WrestleMania next year as well. Yeah. I would think that this is Bill Hill's last match will be versus Sting if I was yeah. betting him. Yeah, I mean, whoever he ends up fighting at WrestleMania next year, I, that seems to be the logical place to do it because it'll be in Texas. Very good. And that'll probably where he goes into the Hall of Fame on top of that. Yeah, so, I mean, whatever the result of that ends up being, whether, you know, opponent or whether he wins or loses, I'm, I'm guessing that's his retirement match there. Mm-hmm. And that does it for the history portion of The Undertaker right there. Three bloody hours for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So what did Undertaker mean to the industry, Joe? Uh, well, a whole heck of a lot, I would say. Uh, besides being a stalwart and, like, crushingly loyal employee of WWE, much like his counterpoint at WCW uh, and Sting, uh, you know, just exemplifies everything that you love about, you know, the product there. Like, he's he's got an amazing character that he's molded to pretty much perfection, I think, with, like, one of the best entrances and just the best attire and all, like all this all the great things that make a great a great wrestler uh mm. and then you know the body of work that he's put in so many there's so many of the best matches that you'll ever see uh in wrestlemania or otherwise uh, are are pretty much directly involved with the undertaker so i mean just the and a legacy that is pantheon level basically oh yeah T- undertaker is wwe through and through and through and uh to say he gave back to the business is a vast understatement. He helped uh, train and bring up quite a few, uh, quite a few new dudes, and in, uh, in his time there, it was a tremendous backstage leader. Uh, he would, and on top of that, he gave back on more than one occasion, helping others get to the next level. Like I said, you know, guys like Kane. In Edge, Batista, Orton, JBL, Brock Lesnar, and uh, Kurt Angle, and much, much more. Are, they are where they are now because Taker gave him the nod. When he could very easily, like Taker is actually, I would say, is definitely at under Andre the Giant level. Where if Vince says you're jobbing and he says no, then Vince would be like, all right, well, what do you want to do then? <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and... He's given back so, so much, man. And, uh, yeah, he most definitely uh, deserves where he's at here, as uh, well as, you know, Hall of Fame, definitely. I mean, that's not even a question. (laughs) All right, and I've got quite a few matches here to recommend for people if they want to look back on them. All right. All right. Uh, 20 altogether. Joe, if you want to jump in here, if you uh, want to add anything to this afterwards, just let uh, You'll just... probably have any matches I've got in mind, so... Alrighty. <laughs> I'll just jump in commentary, so, I guess. For the most part, this is in chronological order, too. Okay. So, versus Lex Luger for the U.S. title at the Great American Bash ni- 90, so... <laughs> okay. WCW match? WCW. Get to see him before The Undertaker. <laughs> Now, besides besides the novelty of seeing pre Undertaker, is, exactly how is is there? What are the merits of the match itself? Uh, it's a pretty standard match. He survives the torture rack. You get to see him versus Lex Luger, and Paulie <laughs> Dangerously is there too. Um, this would actually also act as his final match in the company. So, and you get to see you know 
if you you know if you're you're a wrestler and want to see where you know Undertaker started, this is a good look look at right here. Uh, of course, his debut at Survivor Series 1990, just for the fact of seeing his <laughs> debut and seeing people's reaction to it, as this was unlike anything we'd ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, because I mean, even though the match itself isn't super memorable itself, like the reaction of the crowd as they see this giant pale man walk in like this monstrous figure it's it's pretty cool mm. uh, then of course uh, versus Hulk Hogan for the WF title just for merely seeing him win the title for the first time uh, versus Yokozuna at Royal Rumble 94 in that casket match which every heel just about jumps in <laughs> just for the, the over the topness of it uh, speaking for the novelty and over the topness of it, his uh, his match with the Undertaker at SummerSlam '94. Okay. <laughs> I would recommend pretty much any matchup versus Mankind, as that those never fail to deliver. Yeah. But if I could recommend two, if you want to see a legit match, King of the Ring '96 is where you want to go, or if you want to see. Uh, uh, something else, you can check out King of the Ring 98 in that Hell in a Cell <laughs> match. Brutal. Uh, oh, very brutal. And plus, you know, it's the most famous match ever. You might as well see it if you haven't. Yeah, you probably have. And by see it, I don't mean seeing those two parts. I mean the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's worth watching in its entirety. Uh, oh, because, yeah. you know, because he throws Mankind off the cage, like we said, and then he's carted off seemingly for the rest of the night. Like, you figure the match is over, but then he's but crazy ass Mick Foley hops off the, the garter, starts climbing up onto the cage, and then Undertaker very like he's just completely incredulous. He's like, "What the hell is happening? I can't believe you're even up, you're even standing upright." But I guess we'll continue. <laughs> uh, it's it's just it's just a lot of cool cool moments in there. Besides oh, yeah. the besides the big giant spots that you you've seen a thousand times. I mean, sadly, it'll be one of those matches where it's you if you ne- if you didn't see it live you. Ne- you're never going to quite get it, right? Just because you know, like you really thought that Mick Foley was dead. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm biased on this one, but his match with Bret Hart at SummerSlam '97 is amazing. Uh, his match versus Kane at WrestleMania 14, just for the story that's involved in that match. <laughs> uh, Austin for the title at SummerSlam '98. Uh, once again, going back to how he gave back to the business, this really propelled Austin into the main event scene as the guy. And it was it's a great matchup. Uh, versus Triple H at WrestleMania 17, pretty much all the Triple H matches, which includes 27 and 28, all really, really great matches. And speaking of which, his match with Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18, uh, that triple threat matchup with Kurt Angle and The Rock from Vengeance 2008. Orton at WrestleMania 21. Batista at WrestleMania 23. Pretty much all the matches with Evolution. He is really... <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially the match with Batista, which was uh, match of the night, in my opinion, for that WrestleMania. Uh, versus Edge in a Hell in a Cell from SummerSlam 2008. A really, really excellent match. Both matches with Sean, of course, WrestleMania 25 oh. and 26. The last two matches with Triple H from 27 and 28. And just so you could see history, 
versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. As the match itself isn't a technical masterpiece, it's one of those things where you watch it just for the moment. And uh, unless there's anything else you have to add, add Joe. Well, I guess the only thing that I would say is, you know, Bad Blood 97. That Hell in a Cell match. Was oh, gosh, yeah. I don't know how I missed that one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But besides that, I think you've covered it pretty well. Thank you. And that is my thesis on The Undertaker <laughs> for SlamU University. <laughs> that is your dissertation. Indeed. Indeed. Man. Big old career on that ham bone, man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man, man. I did not expect that to go as long as it did when we initially made this list of uh, preliminary wrestlers. But uh, we're gonna have to go. make a rule like if it's like 15 years or older or something or something like that, we we split it or something yeah. like. That. But man, yeah, that, that was very extensive, Mister Spinetti. Uh, thank you for that. That was awesome. No problem. I tried my best, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I guess since that's that's it, uh, I guess we'll go with the usual round of plugs here. Uh, Slam University. You can find it at slamuni.com. You can subscribe to it on iTunes. You can subscribe to it on uh, Pocket Cast, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, basically anywhere finer podcast feeds are found. Uh, you'll find Slam University there as well. If you're on iTunes, though, please rate and review us. Uh, that helps us very much with our visibility. Uh, the more ratings and reviews uh, that you know a podcast gets, the more Apple is inclined to look at it and maybe feature it somewhere nice and prominently on the iTunes uh, store. So. Please go do that. That would help us a whole heck of a lot. Um, you can find the show itself on Twitter at, uh, at Slam University. You can find me at Once23. You can find Malcolm at PS Malk. Um, and I don't remember if I said it or not, but SlamUni is SlamUni.com uh, is the website where the where the podcast lives as well. So you can you can find the show there and comment, uh, send us comments and whatnot. How we're doing? Uh, let us know. It'd be really nice to hear from people. Uh, so. Unless I'm missing anything, Malcolm. I guess that's finally it. Oh, one more thing uh, I will uh, I will add, mention is for all you people with Windows phones, sadly, I finally figured out how to get at our shows on Windows devices. So... <laughs> uh, you, you returned the Windows device for uh, anything else, literally anything else. Uh, well, if you can't do that for whatever reason... <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to give Joe the URL from iTunes on there. So what you do is just go to the podcast section on your phone. And uh, where it says search, type in the URL that we give you here. And uh, search it. It'll find us. And you can add us to your podcast list, getting each and every episode whenever you like. Okay. that And that will hold you over until you get a better uh, phone. <laughs> yes, just seriously. What are you doing? <laughs> That'll tide you over until you get an iPhone or an Android uh, what are you doing yourself? Friggin' it. What, what are you doing yourself with those users? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Hey, you know that Blackberry's making a comeback. <laughs> uh, on that note, I think that's uh, that's finally it. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs>